0: Welcome again to another episode of Wampa Radio. It is episode number 30. This is a podcast focusing on Star Wars Unlimited, the card game, but all Star Wars card games, all Star Wars media seems to seep its way into the program. Um, I have returned. Charmer, it's nice to have you. It's nice to have you. I mean, you've been here. I don't know what else to... To say, um, for those wondering, I was uh, on a mental health recovery absence, as it were. Uh, holidays are not exactly my favorite time of year; in fact, quite the opposite. So I um, disappeared for several weeks to sort of just recover. But we left you with the best
1: we could, which is <laughs>
0: which is yeah, which and was-
1: yeah, which was really just Doa because uh, full disclosure, holidays are the worst time of year for me as well, specifically these holidays, um, Christmas, New Year, and many years of uh, therapy has only taken the edge off. I'll put it that way. Oh,
0: there um, was there was an edge. There was definitely some edging going on. Well, that's the way that came out completely <laughs> completely wrong. Uh, whoops. Uh, what so, I meant uh, to say, anyway, yeah, go, go, go not go. here
1: this week. Go, go, go. <laughs> emergency pack um, oh, now's the time for sure <laughs> yeah we're so close to that though and we're going to talk quite a bit about opening packs because in today's episode we get to cover the drafting experience so fantasy flight games ffg had a live stream today where they went over how you draft and much of what i anticipated was in there but there were some surprises they also posted an article about sealed rules and a whole number of things so we actually have a jam-packed episode that means we need to kind of speed through some of the content including the wampa cave poll of the week
0: so the cave poll this week um is it's a little late as always, we we are just—no one holds our feet to the fire for these things, so we'll put them out when we get them out. But ultimately, this time, it is what should Anakin's New Year's resolution be? We have upgrade C-3PO. Now, this is the fun part about this, because for a little slave boy working in Watto's shop in his spare time to build a functional and—I say functional—a um, working— protocol droid to help his mom phenomenal good for you that's incredible yeah um what i really wished anakin would have done was let the damn droid read the sith language without having to go see babu freak now that said charmer we are going to get to some babu freak drama
1: down the road yeah we we will i also just as a side note personally wish that that was something that they explored further with anakin whether it was during clone wars or whatever, it's our first introduction is that he's like this technical genius for a kid building protocol droids as a slave on a fringe planet. And then he just like, other than his lightsaber never builds anything again. And I, I will say at times I wish that, you know, whether it was during clone wars or something else, he would have just had some cool contraption that he was like, Oh yeah, I was just doing this in my spare time. It reminds you, me of home.
0: You forget he built the empire.
1: Well, Yeah.
0: He built an aura of fear and terror amidst all those who oppose the ultimate power in the universe. Next, we've got Read More Darth Plagueis. Yeah, I mean, we've all heard the the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise.
1: Yeah, we all have that New Year's resolution where we're like, we're, I'm going to read more books this year. And for Anakin, it's just more Darth Plagueis.
0: I was hoping to do, at, at my peak, I was doing about maybe a book every month. And in my spare time, it wasn't like I didn't have kind of the same type of motivation as others did. We're like, I want to do one a week and go crazy and I have a, a goal. To me, it was just I wanted to read one or two chapters a day of a book and see where it led me. Some days were more, some days were less. Ultimately, uh, we did it. We did like 12 or 14 books like in 2022 or something. Last year, different story. This year, not even going to attempt it. But I do have friends who are like, I read 72 books last year. I'm like, oh. Interesting. Great. How many of those were, like, Curious George and V, But we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Still, uh, I do highly recommend. I've read a lot of Star Wars books, canon and legends, and uh, Darth Plagueis by James Luceno is a top five for me, all time, of Star Wars books that I've read, for sure.
1: Read it. It's It's a good one.
0: We have <laughs> – I changed the wording on this one. It was a little bit yeah, more yeah. reckless and, and aggression. But uh, reconcile with sand because, frankly, he just hates it. It gets everywhere. It's coarse. It's nasty. And his whole life was uh, – I mean, you and I are getting ready to go on a little cruise in the next uh, couple days. I That's right. I am deathly terrified of the ocean, of the open ocean, and the, the ocean in general. Sand, beaches, all that stuff scares the hell out of me frankly the ocean to me is just like outer space there are aliens in it that want to eat me i'm
1: not interested i think, it's, I think the deep ocean is scarier than outer space because space is just nothingness in the deep ocean has stuff that wants to eat me and a bunch of nothingness like i every time that, that they're like hey we found this new thing on the bottom of the ocean and i look at it and i'm like oh that's nightmare fuel okay yeah i don't want anything to do with that
0: these <laughs> things honest to god are like one or two evolution cycles away from making it to land and ruining the entire, like, our dominance as a human species. Like, anglerfish and all these deep sea... It's like, yeah, this thing... Uh, it, what? It's just funny, because it's like, you have this little blob with teeth and a glowing little nubbin on the top of its head, and then you have this, like, like ocean gate, <laughs> or, 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 like, that... One of them survives the intense pressures and horrible environment that is the deep sea and the other one was
1: yeah i you know it's funny because i had the same thing that that you did i always thought of angler fish as being small and most of them are most of them are like a foot in size but they can get to like a meter they can get to like three and a half feet or something like that and that is not small and they're terrifying
0: not only that charmer but you know you do know the rule that there is always a bigger fish a
1: bigger fish right
0: yeah so Wait, wait, because eventually some of them will be like, wait a second, I could breathe on land? I've seen videos, dude, of like fish crossing the desert. It's like, and it's just David Attenborough saying things like, this fish can traverse the desert for three days before it needs more water. It's like, that is a risky freaking fish. You want to talk about the biggest balls and the most chutzpah out there in the animal kingdom? It's the fish amidst the desert being like screw it let's go yeah but what if you run (laughs) out of space whatever man let's go (laughs) like that's what's happening
1: if you've ever owned an aquarium you've had that one fish that just jumped out on its own and then you find it dead two weeks later dry and (laughs) uh I think there's something wired about all fish that they want to be on land, and that is also terrifying. It's evolution. One thing is, someday Pacific Rim will just be a reality. That's what we all have to plan for. It's the
0: ghost of Darwin just in their ear, being like, "Do it, just do it, man, just do it, just jump, just go, just go." You're like, you're you're like, easily about five hundred thousand years away from
1: growing legs, dude. But just do it. Start now. Do it. Yeah, instead of having Force ghosts that, like, help you out, instead you get (laughs) Sith ghosts that are just like, do it. Yeah. It's just Palpatine, do it. That That would be
0: sweet. Last one is become a real Jedi Master, because he has never attained the rank of Master, and I think that's what possibly threw him off. But um,
1: what did you vote for, Charmer? I voted become a real Jedi Master. And I I feel like that was a very good goal, right? It's the kind of thing where, you know, if you're setting your New Year's resolution, you want to set something that could potentially be attainable. And I just don't think he can reconcile with Sand, <laughs> um, you know, the it's not just the men but the women and children too would disagree with his ability to reconcile with sand so <laughs> i chose become a real jedi master because i felt like that one was potentially attainable it's like it's like yeah he's an adult but he could go back to college and finish his degree that sort of thing i i also went with uh become
0: a real jedi master because i think that to me upgrading c3po is like what are you gonna do you going to do they change his programming like to me if you're going to upgrade him you're turning him into a war machine or something like that you're putting some like shoulder mounted turrets on him and stuff but i don't think that's in the spirit of what um you know and darth vader he, he's would. always
1: he, he's always getting into trouble though so maybe instead you just give him those like droidica shields uh, so he's still c3po he's just got a protective bubble he's like the boy in a bubble.
0: <laughs> the card says moops um so yeah i said jedi master i think like you said in terms of attainability i mean just read more darth Plagueis. like it's there it's it's a you know it's a story that they might not tell you otherwise but there you have it here are the results friend for the uh poll the cave poll of the week the winner was Reconcile with Sand. I mean, it's just go make peace. And I think that that's a very good outlook for anyone who is uh, wanting to start 2024 off on the, the right foot. Go ahead, reconcile with one of your most hated endeavors or, or entities or whatever it is. Um, second place, Become a Real Jedi Master at 25.5%. At 23.6%, Read More Darth Plagueis and way behind is upgrade c3po at 14.5 percent. so the winner with 36.4 percent reconcile with sand fair fair deal 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 all right you said there's a lot of stuff that we got there's a
1: lot there's a lot yeah so let's
0: uh let's let's roll through it charmer hit us with the headlines
1: All right, so the headlines are pretty straightforward. Obviously, the big one is the live stream that occurred today. So we are filming this on January 3rd. It is roughly 5.42 p.m. Eastern time as we record this. Uh, So it's fresh. In fact, it's so fresh that as we talk about some of the cards that were revealed during the stream, they're not even up on SwooDB yet. What are you doing? first First time we've ever beat them in terms of coverage. And... It was a stream that focused on draft, and so we're gonna talk about the draft experience and the format as our main topic, uh, but also things that were covered during the live stream. Uh, They mentioned that there is an article that's now live on the website. The article talks about the kind of 10,000 foot view of draft rules as well as sealed rules. So sealed is you open six packs, you build your deck, it's gotta be at least 30 cards. Uh, you have to use leaders from the packs that you open, but common bases are treated like tokens. Uh, and that's the, the same as draft. Again, we'll cover that later. And then the one caveat was sealed is that they said for official pre-release events, there are sometimes these uh, like promo kits, promo boxes that are given out. And if they include leaders, then you will be allowed to use those at the pre-release. That will be part of your pool. So I thought that was kind of cool.
0: Not bad. Uh, I, I dig it for sure. Again, you and I are very much limited players. Uh, yeah. I I want to just I want I kind of want to light speed through this because I really want to talk about draft. So yeah.
1: so uh, other just quick things uh, we got to see foils on the stream, including hyperspace foils. They're pretty um, common. Hyperspace bases also have a hyperspace version of the token on the back. So all common bases also have a token, whether that's experience token, shield token, etc. Uh, also, other related headlines, uh, Asmodee has sent out emails and marketing now for you can pre-order Star Wars Unlimited through them. And I won't go through all of the costs or anything, but they do have pretty much everything that's been revealed so far up there. So that's like booster boxes, the two player starter deck. There are some play mats, including the really cool uh, two player play mat that was at Gen Con and all of those things. But other play mats with our all of those deck boxes from Game Genic, et cetera, are there. So marketing is ramping up. That's the main reason I was including it. Uh, And the uh, big thing... uh, I'm sorry, my brain is going faster than my mouth because I also want to get to the meat of this. Um, The other big thing is uh, it's the new year. So we can finally all say Star Wars Unlimited comes out this year.
0: That is a very cool thing to say, given the fact that we spent so much time talking about (laughs) next year, next year, next year. It is this year. We can say that. 2024. Welcome aboard. I do want to say this is that uh, the pre-orders actually... I was approached by... Some friends of mine who own LCGs offering me to do some pre-orders uh, quite quite a while ago, actually. Probably about over a month and a half ago. They're like, hey, we have the option. And uh, that said, I don't know the legalities of it. But I declined um, at the time. And uh, not because I don't, I'm not going to play the game, obviously. Uh, I'm just waiting. <laughs> I'm just waiting. Uh, but we're, yeah, we're going to get I- there.
1: I had some LGSs that opened their pre-orders earlier than this, like, marketing push as well, and I also declined, but I only did it because it was, like, the height of Christmas season, and I have two kids to buy presents for and a wife to buy presents for, and so, like, I just didn't have discretionary income. That'll Um, do it. So, now that that's passed, I will be looking to place my pre-orders, but that was a big part of my uh, (laughs) decision-making process. How many are you
0: buying? That's the question here, and I will be completely transparent here. I have not purchased sealed product of flesh and blood since Outsiders, which is we're approaching a year ago. And that isn't to say that I'm off the game or I'm not interested in it. I still adore and love that game inside out. It's just a matter of when, what I do and how I play the game is different, and, like, my relationship with it is such that I j- I'm not – I don't get the same – thrill of ripping packs as i once did mainly because i am just surrounded all around me with cards everywhere and it's just a matter of having to sort of tone it down but this might be one where i might go ham this might be like a right out of the gate it's like i'm just gonna get 10 boxes i'm gonna open four or five of them see where we're at and then store some away for uh draft nights and
1: things like that so yeah that's I haven't made my decision yet. So traditionally, if it's stuff that I'm opening, usually my go-to in fab, a case is four boxes, so that makes it easy. I usually get a case and then I just get singles to fill out the rest. But like a case is usually enough bulk where I get pretty much all the commons and you know, for flesh and blood, the commons and rares that you need, and then you fill out majestics and legendaries. Um so I you know, if I was just buying what I was gonna open and then fill in my singles, I would say somewhere like three to four boxes of this. But this set looks so fun to draft and knowing exactly what you said that i might want a box here or there for draft nights because it's it's just so easy to do i i i don't know i might yeah. order more i want to order more it's going to be dependent upon my budget that's yeah. the problem
0: <laughs> want and and you know need and etc are all different flavors of the same desire but still i get you man um hey if there's an lgs out there that wants to sponsor the podcast let's talk let us talk um
1: all right oh yeah i gotta have at least one box for emergency packs too well we'll
0: have to have an emergency pack box as well like that's all factored in for sure we'll see i mean it'd be nice like if ffg just says is like ffg if you're listening and you're like dude you guys need to stay on track damn it you could help us easily just send us a box and we'll have it ready to go We'll have the emergency pack button. We rip it open. We say, I got this. I got this. And we could have like a winning, like we could have a running tally of who wins the emergency pack game every, every, you know? All yeah. right. Uh let's get to the card reveals because we want to talk about draft. I'm just gonna uh, go through this pretty fast and furious here. Uh card reveals again. We want to give love to Smoo who does a fantastic job of putting this uh, uh, putting this stuff up. Except this time, Slacker. <laughs> I would just like to apologize. This is my first apology of this show. Um, When we recorded this yesterday, SwooDB was not updated. When I woke up this morning to edit, it was. So SwooDB, keep doing what you're doing. Love you. Mean it. Uh, Let's go with Force Throw. It's a one-cost aggression aspect event. It is a force-style event. It says choose a player. That player discards a card from their hand. Then, if you control a force unit, you may reveal damage to a unit equal to the cost of the discarded card. Okay, so this card, by the way, revealed by TCG Cast. So thank you so much. I have very strong feelings about this card, one way or another, because it, for one cost, single aspect, what this does is immense. However, the trade-off here is that you're giving your opponent agency into how they do this. But you can put them into a very difficult scenario because, to me, it's fun to play this on, like, an early turn. But they'll have a lot of cards. They'll have a lot of options of what they want to discard and whatnot. But late game, if you're just drawing this and you just discard the one card that they have in hand that they've been holding on to, and it's like a 7 or 8 cost card, and you're just burning down the house with it... I am so on the fence with this. I think that this card's floor is pretty basic, but its ceiling is immense. And at a, as an uncommon, I think that's what you're getting. I think that's what you want.
1: I really like this card because it's one of the few. Uh, there are a couple others, but it's one of the few when I looked at it, I said I would absolutely throw this in because it's a single aspect. I would absolutely throw this into a deck where I'm paying the tax for this. So what I was thinking about immediately was if I'm playing a heroism force control deck, right? So you're running your Yodas, your Lukes, your Obi-Wans, your Kanans. You're not typically pairing that with aggression, but I would pay three if I know I can always get the force trigger, even if it's the absolute like bare minimum, right? Like I would pay three to make my opponent discard a card and still deal one damage to a unit. That That's still pretty good trade-off. So I think that the upside is definitely worth it if you can pair it with the force unit this just feels really cost effective and really powerful I
0: agree I think it's a great card and this definitely has a lot of potential for like you said this is a splash around card uh, if I've ever seen one because single aspect one cost I'd pay three for this I would
1: yeah. um next card yeah next card is pirated starfighter so this is a two cost cunning space unit. The stats are a 2-4, has underworld, vehicle, and fighter tags, a keyword of raid 1, but when played, return a friendly non-leader unit to its owner's hand. There are a couple of things I like about this one. I like that it's a pirated starfighter, and the flavor is you have to bounce something, so it's like the benefit is this got pirated, so it had to make something go away to get the pirated version. Uh, Obviously the stat line is way over the cost because of the bounce portion, right? Two for a two, four with a keyword is very, very strong. Uh, Even more so in space, the four health is important because it doesn't uh, die to things like Interceptor necessarily. But you have to have the offset. I think this card is gonna be really strong in the future if you've got a bunch of one drops with like good comes into play effects. So that you can play a one drop and then play the pirated starfighter and bounce it. uh, Things like that. So what I really love
0: about this card is that if you can just open the game by playing this. And I don't think the when played effect will target itself. Right. Am I wrong here?
1: It doesn't say a it doesn't say return another friendly unit it says return a and so i do think it would bounce itself obviously we'll have to wait for some sort of rules clarification but i would have expected another
0: yeah no and again like you're right because the the, those that type of terminology and the way that the card text is is structured that is indicative of what what it's meant to do i've seen this in other card games for sure uh when it says another or anything it's very it changes things drastically if this if that was the fact if like that there was that nuance to the rules where you it cannot like the the when played effect resolves before the card resolves on the board, so technically there's nothing on the board for it to happen. If you could just play this to a naked board, uh, it is an incredible, incredible card. This is a three of in my opponent, in my opinion. If you're playing a cunning deck, because having a two four two drop that can swing for three is massive. That trades with anything on yeah. the board at that turn uh, in space on that turn site or sorry, on that co- uh, at that cost. That said, though, there's going to be a lot of cards that are whose only utility, frankly, is the on-deploy effect, like the when-played effect. In which case, you play this, you bounce those on, uh, you bounce those cheap cards that have strong when-played uh, effects, and you just keep cycling those. I think that that's incredible. I really, really love this card.
1: I also really like it for limited. It is an uncommon, and one of the places where it stands out to me is that. If you get a unit that's got a big back end and you use it to soak up some damage or make some value trades, then you could bounce it and then redeploy it. So Mm -hmm. you're kind of extending your resources in that regard. There's a few different ways I think that this could be good. But this is, uh, excuse me, one of those cards I think that definitely shines in a couple of sets where the number of potential return targets like really ramps up.
0: Yep, I agree. Um, But you're right. Just rescuing a unit that's going to bite it like if you got a fat ass and you've been taking it baby if it's like you've been receiving on the spanking end for a while bringing it back and dropping it again makes your opponent feel really annoyed for sure
1: so uh shout out real quick to tcg cast they are the ones who revealed force throw and pirated starfighter and now we're going to move on to two other cards that were revealed this time from tabletop misfits
0: This card, for me, man, I think that this is the the next card. It's a one drop, command. It is a ground unit called Vanguard Infantry. It is a trooper with a one two stat line. When defeated, you may give an experience token to a unit, dude. This is what I was waiting to see in a trooper deck. Um, All the troopers have, um, when attack, you know, or when it attacks, or when it attacks with something else or whatever. Nothing was really giving me the well they're so easy to defeat that they're just going to get chewed up. I was waiting to see the 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 bobo weenie unit that made everything else stronger when it dies and this is it because there's a lot of these that exist in other card games weak units that just improve that have resi- like death rattle effects or death wish effects or whatever that you want to call them demise effects. In this case this is what exactly what it is. It's a one cost 1 2 that will when it dies will improve the other units on your board which is it's difficult this also gives your opponent some math to do it's like well if i just kill this it'll make that bigger and i don't have a response for that so do i kill the other thing or do i put like i love this kind of stuff anything that leaves loot bags when it dies is the best
1: yeah this is also in my mind it's really important because it's just a single command so it's very splashable And if you're playing like a ramp deck where you are already running DJ Death Star and other units that you're looking to kind of sacrifice early, this is an early threat that you can deploy... And then if you pair it with something that's like a big Sentinel, then this can trade with some of the smaller units while buffing up the big Sentinel that's kind of holding down your front line while you ramp to your late game threats. There's just a lot of versatility here. It's great with the trooper tag, as you said, helps you with your swarm uh, strategies, the Leia deck, for example, or like a Tarkin deck, I think are going to want to run this. But I, I do think that this has a lot of value in a lot of different ways. Next up, my friend. (laughs) Next up, uh, Heroic Sacrifice. This is a one-cost event, has the tactic keyword. It is heroism and aggression. Uh, It also has great art, just sidetracking real quick. The K2SO is, is fantastic. But the text, draw a card, then attack with a unit. For this attack, it gets plus two, plus zero, and gains when this unit deals combat damage defeated so you get a lot of value for this one cost and if you're already playing heroism aggression then you're probably playing sabine and this gets you a ton of value there because you are likely just trying to race anyway so you you pay one you get to replace this card because you draw a card so it cycles itself you get two extra damage The unit that you attack with dies, but who cares? You might have got the big trade-up you needed. You might have got that damage on the base you needed. And then, as we were just talking about with the previous card, if you've got any good when-defeated triggers, you get that, too. Like, this does a lot. It does a lot, but to me,
0: I think that this is merely... It's like, first of all, any card that replaces itself, already amazing. Uh, That's what you want for aggro. You want to punch above your weight, but also replenish the hand. This does everything you want it to do it's a punch up card that your one or two drop is going to probably trade with a four or five drop because of the plus one. The the defeated part, you're probably sacking that card into the thing anyways, so it that part to me doesn't matter, but at the same time, if you're just killing the base, who cares? Like if you're if if this is the extra two damage to you means winning or losing the game, then your units are all expendable. That's something that I really had to what turned me from a bad card player to a average card player was not coveting cards and not caring that if they lived or died, that the it's card gaming is very much a um, means to an ends type of thing. So your poor K2SO, if he has to bite it so that you can get that much closer to winning, you have to do it. I think that this card is good. I think this card has a lot more um, utilization than people might think it does. The defeat it part is just kind of like, all right, it was going to like to me, it was going to die anyways. Like if I'm playing this card, that card was meant to die anyways.
1: You know, talking about a means to an end um, means you're not very loyal to your cards. Some might even say you are traitorous. So I think that this is a great way to segue to a bunch of cards that were revealed during the stream today, Fantasy Flight Game stream. Uh, do you want to kick us off? with the, the first one flake? What, yeah, what? I
0: yes, I do. Thank you. I I now remember what I missed. Uh the, yeah. <laughs> for the record though, like in my little uh retreat away from from this stuff, which was very well needed. And I I do want to tell people that if you are if you Charmer and I both have, you know, issues with depression and things like that, I stepped away when needed. My friends, you know, stood uh stepped up for me and uh, did the show without me, which was great, and I appreciate it. But I watched a lot of movies. I watched Rogue One, like, uh, another time. That movie's so good. And seeing K2SO, so like, in this car- in that card, man. But, yeah, Traitorous is the next one. It's a five-cost command upgrade. It says, When this upgrade becomes attached to a non-leader unit that costs three or less, take control of it when it becomes unattached the car the owner of the card regains control of it this is essentially these cards exist in a lot of different card games the typically the the i'm trying to think of like the the mana or the cost translation is for three you get it for a turn and it has haste for five typically you're like keeping it unless some bogus stuff happens i like that they've capped this at three or less cost, Um, it's a two for one, is what it is. And I think a lot of people need to understand that if you're getting two cards worth of value for your one card, that is the macroscopic kind of card game economy that you wanna be working towards from a value perspective. You're playing traders for five, you're taking a three cost unit from them, and you're gaining a three cost unit. If that unit is upgraded with shields and experience tokens and other stuff, awesome but they can't do anything until they get rid of this uh upgrade and there aren't many cards we've seen that deal with upgrades yet if i'm not mistaken but i really like this card i think that this card is a sideboard card and i think that at the same time it's a very powerful tool for your sideboard to me i would never put this in a main board because you don't know what three or less cost garbage that they're going to be spewing on the board and you don't want to play five to get a two drop one, one that does nothing unless there are it, DJ death star has the one defeated. It becomes a resource, right? Yeah. So you could like steal a DJ death star, crash it into something and then get it as a
1: resource, which is cool.
0: But I feel like that's just not an efficient means of five resources in a game, but that's just me.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> there's, there's a lot going on with this card. Um, one just real quick uh the art is another kind of callback to more clone wars ish era stuff it's uh, a barisafi so if you're not familiar with that storyline i won't spoil it for you but it is i think pretty solid uh the the big thing that i want to mention with this is that when you take control of a unit it, it this is an upgrade as you said not a ton of ways to deal with upgrades most of them reside in red right now red has quite a few cards that deal with it but that's color specific that leans into what you were saying where if this is a sideboard card you could bring this in against non-red decks because you also are pretty confident at that point your your card's going to stick uh, but also when i look at the kinds of cards you want to take with this um, there are some pretty standout three costs specifically three cost cards that are i think going to be linchpins to certain decks so You've got things like uh, General Veers, so if you're on like some sort of Stormtrooper deck, that's one way. Uh, Boba Fett, so the non-leader Boba Fett, just the three-drop one, who is a house of stats. Like that's a ideal pickup in my mind. If you can steal something like Boba Fett, you're in pretty good shape. So uh, I do think that there are going to be some good targets for this and because this is single aspect because it's just command, it's very splashable. And I, I do think that this will be a very popular sideboard card. All
0: right. What's up next?
1: What's up next is uh, part of a cycle that they were talking about on the live stream. So this is Jetta agitator. This is a two cost ground unit. It's just aggression, but it's again, it's part of a cycle. So there's one for each of the four aspects. Uh, This is a 2-1 Rebel, has the saboteur keyword, and then it says on attack, if you control a leader unit, deal two damage to a ground unit or base. And that's the cycle they were talking about. There's a a series of units that basically say on attack, if you control a leader, do the thing. And that is the aggression one. Uh, I, I think this card is solid in limited. It feels very strong at the common slot. Uh, the 2-1 stats aren't great, but it's two for a single aspect 2-1 that has saboteur, which is pretty relevant. And then if you can even get the uh, on attack to trigger once, you're probably getting your value out of it. So in, in limited, I think it's pretty strong.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a cool card to have. I'm not like blown away by it, but I it, this does incentivize you to have a cheaper leader to a degree. So you, if you're playing aggression, uh, sorry, and I mean it from the, uh, the standpoint of you're being an aggressive player. This is a great card to play with like one of those 3 or 4 cost leaders that you can just kind of flip send your Jetta agitator as a 2 to attack and then the 2 damage can either snipe something small or go straight to face deal more damage and then you're just whittling your opponent down. It is meant to be exp- uh, expendable. The Saboteur part is uh, I want you to clean the board on your turn. I'm not interested in trading. The trading is on you, so that's what the saboteur part is. Also, is like I'm just gonna get right past your sentinels, go to face, deal two damage, and if I get four out of this and waste one of your actions on killing this, I'm way ahead. And I think that that's kind of where it is in the common slot. I think it's a good, it's a very um, strategy-oriented card for a hyper-aggression build.
1: let to hit the next one it's part of the cycle
0: all right cycle time five cost unit on the ground it is a command card it is the steadfast battalion a five five stat line trooper it has overwhelm built in comes stock in 2024 on attack if you control a leader give a friendly unit plus two plus two for this phase pretty good and when you said cycle i was kind of thinking that there would all be like one or two drops like they'd all have the same stat line with different kind of things but i think that a a five five like for a trooper deck this might be the top end that you're looking for i don't think you're going much above this if you're going to play a three of of a particular card trooper decks typically want the swarm element so you want a lot of small cheaper stuff but this might be the top end i think that the overwhelm part is pretty important but at the same time, giving something plus two plus two, it says a friendly unit. Does that mean this?
1: I, I, I don't. It doesn't say another friendly unit, so I, I think that that actually might still be the case. All
0: right, then a seven-seven overwhelm for five single aspect. Rewind, massive. If that's the case, if you've got your trooper hero on and you can just swing for seven like trooper aggro can be pretty nasty if this thing can do the dirty on itself you know what i mean
1: yeah the other reason i really like this one is because it's plus stats and and that includes like the the health and whatever uh this could help keep your leader alive because obviously you're only getting the trigger if you have your leader on the field anyway that's a good point and so you could attack with this and then buff up your leader and then protect it for at least a turn and get some more value. So when I'm looking at this, I was thinking like, okay, a, a swarm like Leia trooper deck, something like that makes an awful lot of sense here.
0: Go for the next one, friend.
1: Yeah, I suppose now is a, a good time. I guess I can make an opening for this reveal. Um, the card is titled Make an Opening. It is an event with the tactic tag. Uh, part of the text should say make flake, Slap his forehead with my bad puns, but uh, instead it says uh, it's a three cost vigilance tactic. Make an opening, give a unit minus two, minus two for this phase. Heal two damage from your base. Uh, This is a common. I think this card is crazy good. Like, I, when I saw this, my eyes widened. I was like, okay, wait a minute. At At a common slot, like, yes, it's three, but you're telling me I can essentially give something minus two minus two potentially kill off a unit and heal two from my base what hello like i want to play this in every vigilance deck i have this card seems really strong
0: i believe it is a strong card i think that i like this is going to sound weird but like if this could be cost if this could cost two and a half i think that it'd be spot on i feel like at two cost this card is too strong and at three cost it's 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 good um three costs is tough But I like the way that you can like the way that this game is structured, where you're drawing a lot of cards, you're ramping up pretty quickly. It's not going to hurt you. It just might limit what you can potentially do early in a game. But still, minus two, minus two, you're either clearing out some garbage on the base. Like to me, this is a great card to deal with aggro. You know, like small card on the board, get rid of it. It it'll die. Or if there's a somewhat heftier thing that you just want to deal with, give it minus two, minus two, heal two damage, and then. Kill the thing because it got nerfed a little bit. I think it's, I think it's a strong card. But like I said, if this could cost two point eight, that's where I want it to be, not three. But I don't live in. Yeah, that.
1: I I think the other thing really going for it is much like the other cards we've recently revealed here, uh, single aspect. So very splashable. Whether you're playing light side vigilance, dark side vigilance, whatever, um, the this card just feels really good in the common slot to me.
0: Hit us up with the next one. Uh, I'll give you two in a row here.
1: All right. So we are moving on to Bounty Hunter Crew. This is a six cost ground unit. It is villainy and cunning. The stats are, I say, only a 4-4 because that is pretty low for a six drop. But it does have Underworld and Bounty Hunter tags. Has the ambush keyword. But also, when played, you may return an event from a discard pile to its owner's hand now this is very very interesting to me I can't think of a reason at least right now that I would want to bounce my enemy's event back to their hand you could theoretically do it but the reason that I like was like oh wait a minute here uh team events I don't know what the rulings are gonna be can I like target my teammate if we ever have like a two-headed giant format whatever like, the return an event uh, from a discard pile to its owner's hand has a lot of multiplayer possibilities. And so I, I dig it for that reason alone. Even if the the stats are very low for what it does, that part made me go, Okay, wait a minute, there's more to this game than I originally thought. You know who would get extra horny for a card like this? Our good
0: friend No Control, aka Nick Bolas, aka Mike Torek. This is a piece of a combo. This is a piece of a degenerate kind of recursive thing where you're going to find an event that is going to do some sort of weird circular, jerkular type of, of, of behavior where you're going to get a card back that's going to do a thing that's going to get this card back that's going to get that card back. It's going to create some sort of time loop that is going to drive people bananas. When I see any card that is a body that returns a, a quote-unquote, spell, an event to your hand. That is that is dangerous. Now, I think that the caveat to that warning is that there are no instant speed effects, as we've discussed in previous episodes. So you can't do naughty stuff all in a row. You're giving your opponent an opportunity to respond. However, Charmer, you got to feel the same kind of thing. Like, our magic friends... People like Tannen, people like Brian Basoko, people, you know, like they're going to like if they get into this game, they're going to the first thing they're going to look at is how can I break this card?
1: Yeah, it is. It does feel like a piece like this just feels like a cog, because if it doesn't have that last line of text, this card is very lackluster. But everything that is interesting is in that one played. And like I said, for me. I was like, okay, because it's just an event in a discard to an, its owner's hand, What are what are the ways I can abuse this? Is it multiplayer because I could maybe have my teammate return something? Are there going to be future cards or future sets where having events in my opponent's hand matters and this is like a way that I force them into a situation they don't want to be in? I mean, even just thinking about like, what was it, force throw that we've already talked about earlier where if they have no cards in their hand, but you play this and they have to return something. Now they either have to play it or now, you know, I'm going to make them re it, but nuke something. Right. So there, there's gotta be more to this and I'm just, I'm dying to see what it is.
0: Next up, we're going to go. Oh, first of all, I just want to also want to rewind real quick. Does this bounty hunter crew to you look like they're pulled from, an like, an episode of, like, the Bizarro Jerry episode of Seinfeld? It's, like, the crew, but not the crew? Like,
1: you know? Yeah, kind of.
0: Like, you got, like, a fake Bosk, a fake Dengar, you got, like, a fake Zuckus, a fake Forlom, like,
1: you know? Yeah. I mean, now that, now that you've mentioned it, like, I definitely see the fake fake boss fake Dengar, Like you know it's like bizarro yeah. jerry world in there for sure it, it's, it's like uh you know we've got the the bounty hunters at home
0: yeah these are <laughs> this is like your kirkland brand bounty hunter crew you yeah. know you can't afford the real deal so you're like getting these clowns but anyway all right next up is the mercenary company a six drop command a single aspect it's a ground unit the stat line is five five it's a underworld and trooper tag so you got both and it just comes in with it's a five five for six that has ambush and overwhelm so again back to hey drop it send it push through get damage. I'm beginning to believe... Well, I'm not beginning. I'm I'm further believing that these trooper decks are going to be command. They're going to be potentially aggression. And the top end... Like, these cards might not even make it to those particular decks. I think that if you're paying six, the only redeeming factor for this is that it has ambush. If I, I'm not paying six for a 5-5 five, five overwhelm trooper. I'm paying six for a 5-5 five, five overwhelm that I can send when I deploy it. Like, right. do, do you remember that scene from Futurama when they're going to the ball planet and they all get drafted and Zap Brannigan says uh, some of you will kill for your people some of you will die for your people some of you will be pushed through a fine mesh for your people you will be <laughs> luckiest of all and then he says uh, then he talks about how uh, the that they're like they're outgunned and everything but we they have the element of surprise so surprise and then he just Drops everybody out of the mess hall into the battlefield. (laughs) That's how I feel Uh, like this is. This is the, those doofuses from that episode of Futurama.
1: This is definitely, all the value is in the element of surprise. And I don't think that'll be really a surprise. People will very quickly learn to play around this. Uh, When I looked at this, five, five for six, as you said, not great, but it's two keywords. They both combine very, very well. And the fact that this is a common means I expect this to be the top end of a lot of the limited command decks or close to the top end. You know, you might have some sevens or, or eights or whatever, but this is going to be one of your kind of power plays and you can just use it as removal, right? It's just, hey, I'm, I'm going to swing into something that I need to get rid of or if you've got Uh, a need a desire to push damage and you've got another unit on the board that has one health well then suddenly this becomes four direct damage and that's also pretty relevant so i i I like the card i think that the real strength will be unlimited if it does see any constructed play i feel like this is one of those ones that will get power crept out after a couple of sets
0: agreed uh again like it might just round out like one or two copies in a trooper deck early on but yeah set two three is probably going to wheel that out
1: um all right i'll i'll do the next one uh so we were talking about traitorous earlier and upgrades well now we have power failure this is a two cost aggression event has the tactic keyword and it simply says defeat any number of upgrades on a unit and this is in the uncommon slot uh this much like traitorous is a card i expect to see in a lot of sideboards
0: yep sideboard card for sure um up to I would even depends on what the meta shakes out to be, but if there's a deck out there that likes to beef up their dudes, you'll have a three of them there. And especially if traitorous becomes a problem, if traitorous is actually a problem, and you want to protect your stuff, power failure is the way to go. Not much else to say really. Uh, defeat a upgrade sounds good. It's like
1: disenchant from. Uh, it's yeah, it's kind of, but it's also it's almost kind of like. Um a bit more because it's not just one, it's all of them, right? It's defeat any number. Yeah. Yeah. So if they load up, if they've got like three experience and a shield token on one unit, those Smoke are all upgrades, all. right? So you're just like, oh I pay two and nuke it. So it's I mean you're right. It's it's like a disenchant, but it's significantly stronger in this regard.
0: Yeah, like I say disenchant because disenchant was from the original set. It's from Alpha, right? Yeah. And this is the Alpha quote unquote set of Uh, Star Wars U, so in my mind, I'm like, this might just be what that is. Like, they both cost two, I think. uh, Next up, we got a main character. It is a two-drop. It's command, it's heroism, ground unit. It is Mon Mothma, Voice of the Rebellion. I like that they're using the Mon Mothma that looks a little bit more like the Return of the Jedi Mon Mothma. Um, Though the casting for Mon Mothma, young Mon Mothma in, like, Andor and all this stuff, Exquisite. I think that the yeah. the uh, the the actor that plays Bond Mothma is unreal. Uh, it's a Rebel official. A one three stat line. When played, search the top five cards of your deck for a Rebel. Reveal it. Draw it. So when you're hunting for big Rebels, that's what you want. Remember, we're talking about the the pirated starfighter. That's kind of a target for the pirated starfighter. You might want to bounce this. Bring this back to hand. Play it again. Go look for another fat rebel. It's kind of what I'm I'm looking at when I'm talking about those, uh, those weaker cards or weaker statted cards that all of their relevance comes into the, uh, the when played effect. It's an uncommon, um, Mon Mothma. I mean, we've seen these before. Yeah. It's like Tarkin, right, to a degree, kind of.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Right, it is the heroism version of Tarkin, and I like that. For heroism and villainy, we have a lot of cards that I think have similarities, but they're not direct copy and pastes. Even when we look at like General Veers, for example, the the cost and the stats are different compared to the heroism variant. And so this is, in my mind, kind of like your Tarkin, but not quite the same, right? Lower stats, you just get to uh, do the reveal, find something on play. But, But I dig it. You know who does not have small stats, though? Tell me. Our next card, which is ATAT suppressor. This is an eight-cost ground unit in villainy and vigilance. It has an eight-eight stat line. It's an imperial vehicle walker, and when played, exhaust all ground units. So at uncommon, I think that what you want is this is this is your like late game finisher or a control tool because if you lead your turn off, you could you know if, if you have a, a wide opposing board for example but you lead your turn off with this then you have just shut down the vast majority of what was going to happen like this is pretty impactful at the uncommon slot
0: uh so when you say ATAT suppressor the first thing i thought of was like a silencer for its guns and i thought it would be an <laughs> upgrade which i thought was kind of good uh but you're right i i i surprised like as somebody who has been a fan of every single fat boy that they've printed i'm not a fan of this one I don't like this card. 8-8 for 8, great, sounds good. Though, exhaust all ground units, that includes your own, by the way. That does include your own. Um, To me, without overwhelm, I think that it's so-so. And the reason why is because you'll play it. You'll exhaust everything. Your opponent doesn't have an opportunity to really do much, To me, I think that this is a card that is basically daring your opponent to take the initiative. Because if you're dropping it on 8, there's a good chance you don't have a strong follow-up. Because you've already exhausted all your ground units. So, unless there's space stuff to take care of... Like, if you're dropping this and exhausting everything... Your opponent will be like, well, I can't attack. I could play something. And then you'll get all the initiative. So, do I just take the initiative right now? Like, you need initiative with this. And... I don't know. It's like, I'm I'm still sort of kind of thinking of it. I could be completely so you, wrong. You
1: at- actually, you've touched on, you've kind of danced around what I was thinking when I saw this. Um, space is the real highlight for this. I think we've seen so far a lot of emphasis on ground units and it makes sense because characters are traditionally uh, ground units, at least so far in the game. And while we've got some iconic ships and things like that, there's just not... Uh, the the breadth of variance that there is on the ground but if you are ever going to build some sort of space oriented deck right where you're saying all right I want to win the space lane this is a great top end for like if I have control of the space lane I got you know three or four units and then I'm running this is my top end where all I'm doing is I just want to stall the ground out over and over again then that's fantastic right like I will give you even if I don't have initiative I'll give you one action on the ground and then I will shut down all of the rest of the stuff you wanted to do on the ground develop an 8-8 doing so but also take all my actions in space and then if you do that like back-to-back turns as a top end that feels really powerful so uh, I don't think this will be like a a set one all-star because we don't have enough space support I think quite yet but long term this feels pretty scary if that's your goal.
0: Dude. Pi- play this, pirated starfighter, bring it back to hand. And then you're you're still developing space and then once again you drop this down, free like you're you're right. And I think that's where I was trying to get at in my head as I was sort of parsing it out. I this is the first time I've seen these cards. I didn't watch the stream beyond their explanation of how draft works, so I didn't see a lot of the the reveals. This card for me though, it's th- like yeah you're you're building a space oriented deck the problem is i feel like with you're running a space oriented deck it's it's uh command it's villainy and it's not necessarily vigilance i could be wrong about that uh, i i, I want to sit down and really theorycraft and build some stuff but at at suppressor to me is like all right if my deck is going to have like 6 to six to eight ground units, it's probably going to be three of these, like two or three of these, because I'm going to be establishing a space game, and anything you put on the ground is going to get bounced with cunning effects, bounced, bounced, frozen, bounced, and then boom. As we ramped up, I'm going to drop the ATAT suppressor, but now we're talking about command, villainy, vigilance, and cunning, and that's that means that something is going to have to pay the tax. That's dangerous. All right next up when um i don't know how to even open this up i'll just call it what it is it's the cargo juggernaut it's a six drop vigilance unit ground unit a vehicle a tank i don't think we've ever seen a tank yet so that's a tribal that for the trade federation wieners out there Uh, a four six comes built in with a shield when played, if you control another Vigilance unit, heal four damage from your base. You'll probably always have another Vigilance unit ready to go. Heal four from your base. This is a very good card, if if I'm being real. For what you want to do, which is, to me, Vigilance is all about stalling the game, controlling it, going the distance, um, grinding your opponent out. That's what Cargo Juggernaut does.
1: Yeah, I will say I think that the stats in the keyword are not great for the cost, but the when played is very, very strong. And because this is in the common slot, this is like your stabilizer in limited, because by the time you get to six, you know, if you're on vigilance and your opponents got out in front of you, what this does is as long as you've got that other vigilance unit to get the when played, you get some damage off your base and then you get this four six shielded so what this unit is then likely going to be used for if you're playing this kind of slow grindy game plan with vigilance is um this is going to start trading into opponent's units probably for the next like three turns because you're going to get the shielded trade you're going to get another trade with that six health and then you're probably going to get one last one right so this is meant to be your common slot stabilizer for limited in my opinion
0: yep when this hits the board as if you're in this if you're within vigilance in limited this card is going to be backbreaking to your opponent because like you said it's going to take work to deal with uh the next card might be one of my favorite in the common slots so far but i'll let
1: you do it oh no you can do it because i like the other i like the last okay, one okay cool so i'll so let you do this one
0: three cost event command strike true a tactic it says a friendly unit deals damage equal to its power to an enemy unit if you're a green player in magic you have seen a lot of these um a lot of those your target your target your creature it gets plus one plus one and it fights your opponent's up creature or your opponent your creature deals damage equal to its power to your opponent's creature there's a lot of these cards within magic they're all green based and ironically here's another green card uh green is ramp in here green is also ramp in uh magic as well so we're seeing a little bit of the color ideology matching what the actual you know the the uh stri- strategic ideology is as well but still this card is basically if you're playing command you're probably gonna have big boys on the board anyways this is to say three cost go boom onto your opponent and I'm also wondering if this factors in trample like overwhelm effects. I don't think it does, but
1: yeah, I I don't think it does because overwhelm says when attacking an enemy unit and this says it deals damage equal to its power. It doesn't say like you attack. All right. No, that makes sense.
0: So yeah, but still for three cost, like if you're playing this within command villainy mystery Meet as a ramp to your big boys, your your big Star Destroyers, your ATATs, your stuff like that. I mean, for three costs, you're pretty much killing almost everything on the board. Like, there's very few things that can withstand the seven to eight damage that you're going to be outputting based on your uh, Star Destroyers or ATATs ats that are just going to be holding court in either lane.
1: One of the things that I would say, you know, you earmark and you kind of uh, pay attention to for the future is there's a lot of stuff that is on attack so even when you're talking about like if a unit needs to defeat something right they still are on on attack uh boba fett again kind of comes to mind for me where it's the uh it's got a thing where if boba fett uh defeats uh, a unit or whatever but it's it's still the on attack um if we ever have things where instead the unit is worded as if this defeats an enemy then this would work because mm-hmm. again it's not the attack part but your unit is still the thing dealing the damage. And that is potentially relevant at some point.
0: The next one, Charmer is the, is one of the best artworks in the entire Yeah, that's set. one of the reasons I love it. Okay. So,
1: um, the, I just love this card in general. Uh, and I, I'm normally an aggro guy and I'm definitely going to play a lot of Sabine, but the more I see out of vigilance, the more I think I'm going to end up being like a late game control player for this game. Uh, the, Final card that was revealed on the stream today, the draft stream, was Devotion. This is a two-cost upgrade. It is just in Vigilance, so very splashable. It says, Attached Unit Gains Restore 2. It also provides a plus one, plus one in stats, and it has the, like, Devotion and... uh, Well, Devotion is the name, but has the Innate tag as well for the upgrade. Now, the art is yoda on luke's back and with the they're swinging on a vine right like the the dagobah forest in the back it's just it's just fun cheeky art Uh, i i really like this because again if you're playing vigilance you're going to need ways to stay alive long enough to stabilize the board and this being on an upgrade means that With the back and forth actions, you can either punish an opponent for taking the initiative too early. You can play this on a readied unit and get that free attack. Uh, I also really, really like that this is just attached unit, not ground unit. So if you have control of the space, but you're losing control of the ground, you can use this to buy yourself some time to reestablish control of the ground. There's just a lot of flexibility in this. For just an uncommon, I think it's very strong and limited. I think it's, uh, again, likely going to be included in some constructed decks. It's it's good. I, I really dig it for Vigilance. It's excellent. I
0: really like this card as well. Two drop, single aspect. Uh, plus one, plus one, plus the, like, again, extending the game longevity. It's great. Um, I was playing some Magic Limited today, um, Lost Caverns of Ixalan, and there is a card called uh, Tithing Blade or something. It's a two cost, uh, and, and it transforms into an enchantment that says at the beginning of your turn, you gain a life, your opponent loses a life. So it's, it, 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 it crea- that card per- created, inevitability and at one point i had like three or four of them going so it's like all you have to do is just survive not that that's what this card does it doesn't have inevitability to it it has survivability for your base you could put this on something that is just like your big behemoth and they might not want to mess with it but every time it attacks it does it restores two to your base so you're extending the game but we've seen that with so many different cards like that with within vigilance so we're going to we've said this we've teased it forever we're going to do an ideology um related breakdown it's just hard to get us all in the same room at the same time but we're working on it still this card to me is a hallmark of what vigilance wants to do it's a, it's a pretty good card
1: so the last thing that was kind of revealed i guess it counts as a card reveal so i put it in this section of the show notes um There were some additional common bases that were shown off during the draft stream. And it was mentioned specifically that there are eight. So there are two common bases per aspect. And what that says to me is at some point, the planet tags have to matter, right? Because otherwise, why would you have multiple common bases unless there's going to be a difference between, you know, whether your base is on Lothal or Jeddah or whatever, um, So, yeah, it's just worth noting Uh, they were still the standard 30 health, nothing uh, flashy there. But we do have two common bases per aspect.
0: All right. So there you have it. That is all that we learned in this past uh, stream and the releases and the reveals. So anything after today and right now being January 3rd at 630 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we are not responsible for let's get to the main topic here charmer which is the fact that they've basically told us how to draft for those who are new to card games in general limited itself is a very unique experience it's the same you know ingredients but you're making something completely different which is cool um i do have my concerns about draft i like you uh charmer are exceptionally into limited play there's no secrets there You and I are going to draft the living hell out of this game. There's obviously no contest there. It's going to happen. I am a little bit weary about how things are going to break down. So let me explain to people how the draft process works. A draft pod of eight people, right? Yep. Eight people, three packs per person, sealed. Mm -hmm. However, here's where the standard fare kind of deviates or how Star Wars U deviates from what is you know, understood as a standard procedure of drafting. You will start the game, the draft, by opening all three packs and not looking at anything except the first card, which is the leader card. You're going to take all three leaders out. You're going to put your three packs, which are already opened and n- unsearched face down in front of you, you're going to draft a leader. Pass the two to the left. Draft a leader. Oh, oh sorry, to the right. To the, the right. right. Yep. That's weird. For
1: leader. Well, it's because
0: you do oh, leaders right,
1: right and yep. then pack is left, right, oh, okay. left. So
0: you're gonna have your th- you're gonna open three packs. Every pack is seated such that the first card facing you will be a leader. You peel that away. The card behind it will be a base, so you'll be able to see the base. But this like, is what the, yeah.
1: The common base. So common this base. is the other real, real quick. If you're coming from like flesh and blood, the bases are treated like the the tokens in flesh and blood. So bases, you do not draft uh, the common bases anyway. You do not draft them and you can use any of the, the common bases you want afterwards, but the way the packs are designed, you have your leader and then there's your common base. And so that's how you won't see the rest of the pack. So you just take the leader out and then, um, you know, at the end, you can trade your tokens around and whatever. Also, the common bases are two-sided. It's always a base on one side and some sort of token on the other. So an experience token, a shield token, or sure. whatever.
0: So the other part is, is once the leaders are passed three times, and you have you, you will have three leaders at your disposal, then comes the draft portion, which is pick a card or take the token out, Then pick a card, go left, pick a card, go left, and then the new pack, same thing, but you're going right and left. So then you have the standard procedure. Here is my little quarrel with this. It's not that the format and the way that it's executed worries me because that's how you do it, and a game with unique rules will have to adapt to make sure, like Flesh and Blood, for example, it's unique in how that works. What I worry about Charmer are (laughs) the the galactic a-holes who are going to try to scam by searching the packs so they know more or less what leader to take because they know that, you know, or they'll be like, oh, like, well, they'll open their pack and then they'll be like, oh, I should draft this pack first because I want this card with this leader. So all I'm going to say... Is if you are caught and I or I catch you or you are caught or you're somebody who is going to cheat at this, you are a grade A wholesale free range organic a hole. That is what I'm going to say. And I yeah I get it and and I know it's like flake, but you just went on a little vacation to clear your mind. My mind is so clear, so damn clear. I can see Order sixty seven. That's how clear my my mind is right now. I can see it developing because Order sixty seven is going to be if I catch someone trying to <laughs> cheat at my draft table, you will be put on full blast, my friends. So don't do that. But that yes. is my that is my one concern. But again, it, that falls not on the the structure or the rules or or how to execute a draft, more so on the scum and villainy that might attend said drafts.
1: So there are some interesting bits here um one i think for higher level events they will likely have packs pre-opened so that you can just have the pool of leaders handed to you and i honestly don't even think that that is that difficult to do so on the actual stream one of the devs opened their pack in such a way where you just open the top and then because the leader is the very first card you just slid the leader out and then everything else was still contained in the pack And I hope that players over time learn how to do that because my biggest concern when I heard this was that if you're taking the entire pack out instead of just sliding the leader out, I'm afraid people are going to end up mixing up their packs or their pools because we've all been at that draft where somebody ends up with the wrong number of cards. And that's with one pack at a time open. So me thinking about like three open piles on a table gave me anxiety because like, how do you, how do you backtrack that? How do you sort that mess out? That's the part that gave me like heart palpitations was like, we can't get through one pack at a time sometimes. And you want all three open. So I I do hope people adopt the, you kind of open the top of the pack to see where the leader is. And then you just take your finger and you slide the leader out. Cause then nobody's looking at packs anyway, but also you're, your actual packs are still kind of self-contained and you don't have to worry about your pools being mixed up. Hopefully, that's... Yeah, but... I'm, I'm trying to be optimistic.
0: <laughs> no, the optimism part, I, I get it. and And I, I will also be on that train for sure. But I have also sat at tables like, you know, with multiple you know, national champions and pro tour players and, and such at a draft table, drafting flesh and blood, where at a certain point, somebody's like, wait a second, is this my pile? Is this yours? How many cards do you have? What's it like? It happens. It will happen. So what I, I would probably recommend is just be vigilant when you're at that table, not for, not don't go out there on this witch hunt looking for cheaters. Like, that's not what I'm, I'm suggesting. What I'm saying is just, you know, make sure that your, your yard is taken care of. And, yeah, because I saw that too where they like you just you open it kind of like the top end like a bag of chips you just slide the thing out and you're good to go but not everybody has that kind of dexterity or right gentle approach. Some of them are freaking rancors where they tear this shit open and they're just like ah and they go and like I know how horny some people are for opening packs where the first thing they do when they open it is they go straight to the back to see where that rare card is and they go from there. I totally get it. So Take this as a call to peace at the draft table. Take your time. It, it, there's a lot of moving pieces in this, Charmer. So we got yeah. to make sure that people approach this delicately.
1: And that leads to the next part, which is very unique about this. Um, leader cards are obviously double-sided, right? You've got your epic action side and then the unit side. So that means during that very first part where you are drafting leaders, right, your three leaders... That's all done face-up, and I felt like that was very interesting because that changes the draft dynamic when you go to the face-down packs part because there's still some level of known information because you're going to know what three leaders have, and then that also then begs the strategy of, like, do I try to draft three leaders that are all different aspects so that I can be open during the face down or, you know, during the the live stream, there was one person who had, you know, three cunning leaders and like two of them were villainy. And so it was basically everyone was like, all right, well, clearly that person is on the cunning, likely villainy game plan. And so then it becomes, do I hate draft things because I know what they're playing or do I stay out of it because I know that stuff's not going to be passed to me? Right. So the, the drafting of the leaders face up, I think, is going to add a very interesting element just to the process in general.
0: You're spot on there. Anytime that there's that kind of your anytime extra information is available, that is just another way for you to potentially use it to your advantage. You're right, because if I'm passing left and I see that the person on my left, like you said, is has three villainy hero uh, leaders or, or is, you know, I'm, I, I, there's a good chance that if it's like, well, I can pull another so-so common, or I can just hate draft the card that they are most likely to take and play. I've done that before. I've done it in, uh, um, in Flesh and Blood. But that, the difference there is that when you're doing that in Flesh and Blood, you're doing it off of a premonition that the person to your side, to your left or your right, is drafting a certain way. And I get it in that regard, like, you're not wrong, um that it's it's pretty easy to discern in flesh and blood if you're paying attention and you're skilled in that regard but when things are face up you're like there's no secrets so that is something that you need to refine as well is decision making in terms of not is like is is the card i'm drafting more valuable to me in my deck or is the card i'm drafting more valuable to me not being in their deck yeah. and that is well, that is something you have to keep in mind <laughs>
1: there's also the fun mind game part too right so i i love the idea of like all right if i go into a draft and i know because i'm a homer or whatever like i i want to force sabine right so like let's say that's my mindset and i open the common sabine well if i take that and then the next two leaders i draft are both like cunning villainy like maybe i take a couple of uh, you know boba fett's or whatever now the person to the left of me is going to see me on like Two leaders of one aspect, and then like one offshoot. And now, if if you're trying to put me on drafting something, wh- which is it? You know what I mean? Like I, I just love that there's that that level of like face-up information, um, and it's going to change things. It, it, this is already a pr- I think a pretty wide-open format, just because again the way the aspects work in the tax, you're not as hosed if you don't get the cards you need. Um, So I I already love that about this game. But when I saw that they were doing the leaders face up, that that really opens some things up. Now, other things worth noting about the process. Uh, Common bases, as we said before, are treated like tokens in Flesh and Blood, so you can use any common base. Rare bases show up in the pack and you do draft those. Those are a drafted card. So the way that the deck construction works is you make a minimum of a 30-card deck. You will end up drafting a total of 42 cards because of your three leaders that rounds out to your 45 cards total so they were basically saying like most players will have 42 playable cards unless you've drafted a rare base then it'll be you know 41 playable cards because your base is optional whether you're using that or a common one Um, so that means that your your deck construction also does allow for a hefty amount of, of hate drafting if you're gonna end up with like twelve extra cards at the end.
0: Well, hate drafting sometimes is like like you'll be drafting magic and you'll be like, I'm just gonna take this because I don't want the player of this color, wherever they may be, to have it. But sometimes you're just in a situation where now you absolutely know what is on your left or on your right, and you know whether the card you're giving them will have significance or not or to what degree of significance they may have i feel like the best opportunity or the best option for you to do that like when you're drafting is you have like if i'm drafting leaders i'm drafting to stay as open as possible and because that limits the information that you're giving your opponent they're they're no longer going to be able to sort of uh paint you into a corner by drafting a certain way and it's not just that it's like like you know i've been to places where people will kind of like recognize me and play cards against me so it goes two ways they'll either be very nice to me or they'll just want to kick the crap out of me like I've played commander games where I've lasted three turns or like one turn cycle around because there's like oh that's flake, let's get flake and it's like all right sure so I like to me I'm conditioned to insulate myself against targeted hate in that regard you know so if I'm drafting leaders, I'm drafting, a a heroism leader, a villainy leader. I'm going to try to keep the colors as splashed as possible. I don't want anybody to pass cards to me and say, I'm taking this card because you have to play cards of this thing. I'm not going to pigeonhole myself that way.
1: Now there is one other reason that I brought this up because they talked about when you do your draft, like that becomes your pool. And unlike flesh and blood where you have to then register a leader They mentioned that you will be able to essentially change your deck around between rounds as long as it's within your pool. So if you do stay open with your leaders and then you also stay open or you draft cards you're willing to pay the aspect tax on, you could start with, you know, a Sabine deck and then transition to a Thrawn deck or something, right? It it seems very wild to do that, but not impossible depending on how specific you want to be. And so I I think staying open is still likely going to be the right play, but I do also like the idea of, uh, you know, again, on the, the stream, the person who is like, all right, well, I'm very clearly cunning and very likely cunning villainy. And so the question then becomes like, do you hate draft all my stuff and make your deck worse? Or, do you just pass it to me knowing that I'm gonna be forcing it, but then give give me that benefit, right? like you're you're kind of challenging the table. Um, oh,
0: but both both sound so lovely right like both sounds so good. <laughs> oh, boy, all this to say, dude, is like I'm just super hyped about this. um, and we are gonna get to uh mess around sooner than 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 later, which is awesome to to not fully talk about so all this yeah. all this to say
1: because the game comes out this year that's totally what we're referencing that really is all we're tonight. talking
0: about that um, is it <laughs> okay so i will say this then sharmer i'll ask you a question let's say you know let's say you are drafting leaders right and you've got me to your right you've got doa to your left you just made the worst you know, back-to-back-to-back puns you'll ever make, which Doa and I are just done with you. You've drafted Sabine, 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 and then Doa and I look at you and say, we don't care about winning. We just care about you losing. And then we just hate-draft every single card that you want. What do you say about that?
1: I say that sounds like it's a day that ends in Y. But also... (laughs) I would say I have a bad feeling about this. I got a bad feeling about this.
0: I have a bad feeling about this.
1: I've got a bad feeling about. Okay.
0: It. quiet. All right, it is the bad feeling mailbag. Again, should you, uh, should you, would you want to? I don't know where. I'm out of. I'm out of practice, Trevor. I'm so out of practice. I haven't recorded anything, published anything, done anything in a solid like two and a half, three weeks. I feel great, but still. <laughs> Uh, I got to get back on the on the wagon, as it were. But if you want to submit a question, you can do so by emailing us at wamparadiopodcast at gmail.com. You could tweet at wamparadio. You could tweet me at watchflake or this doofus at that charm3r and send us your questions because we've got some questions. And I want to open up with a wonderful letter that was sent to us by Terrence Dorman, who uh, said some very kind things about the show. Big fan of the mm-hmm. show. The show mm-hmm. was... Th- this is what I love to hear, by the way, when that Terrence got into the show by recommendation from a friend of theirs. So word of mouth is happening, and we really appreciate that. So again, if you like the show, please tell a friend. It does go the long way. But they were talking about sequel characters showing up in the game, and there was a um, confusion, rather, concern even, that one Babu Freak was not mentioned and Babu, first of all, C3PO's oldest friend, was not mentioned, and Babu Freak is a just one hell of a character. In my opinion, out of all of the sequel characters, like the fringe characters, Babu's probably my my uh, my favorite.
1: Yeah, I I'll just be honest, like I let people down. I, I did it once again the same way that I had to apologize to an entire species (laughs) the corn species
0: (laughs) i need to apologize to
1: babu freak because i i should have known better that should have been that should have been the go-to babu freak is amazing he is he is freaking amazing that's what he is
0: no charmer no squeezy no baby (laughs) no squeezy what a good (laughs) character just so good that wasn't babu freak it's one of his people but still um yeah, Babu, I don't know why we did not say him, but what, what would a Babu freak card look like to you? To me, it's like a it's like a one drop, one one that all any card that has an upgrade gets an additional like plus one, plus one. Like that's the way I see it.
1: So I think that he should be like a two or a three, and he should still be a one one, but on attack, uh he removes damage from a friendly unit kind of like the medical droid. But then on play, he can return an upgrade from the, the discard to your hand.
0: Oh, okay, that makes or, sense. Or he
1: can look at the top five cards of your deck and find you a dis- or an upgrade, and then you you draw it. Something like that, right? Where yeah. he finds upgrades, but he also does repairs. It's an
0: upgrade-related card. Yeah, yeah
1: upgrades uh, and repairs.
0: Yeah, so there you go, Terrence. And, and, and the way that I responded to this email, by the way, which was... Uh, basically i told terrence that um thanks first of all uh but also that i would put you two donkeys under the spotlight to answer for these these crimes so Doa cowardly didn't show up
1: that's the reason he's not here this week by the way way.
0: the 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 babu freak reckoning is not happening but
1: uh it is what it is apologizing on this podcast yeah it's all you do man yeah
0: (laughs) To the quarant people, to the freaky people. Um, all right. So we do have an actual question, though, Charmer. So what is that question?
1: All right. So it's technically a, a pair, both from Alex Squiggles uh, on Twitter, at Snuggles McSquig, which is just fantastic. We all
0: would also <laughs> like to apologize to the McSquig people. <laughs> uh,
1: so Alex first says, now that a lot of the art has been spoiled... What are the top cards you want in hyperspace? Also, what are you planning on doing first? Whether that's deck building, just open stuff draft, etc. And then as a follow-up to that, Alex also said, Are there any card designs that have been revealed that have surprised you, whether due to theme or uniqueness of design?
0: So I'll start with the uh hyperspace part. I think aggression. The legendary event aggression that has, like, Kylo Ren getting a- angry, I think that's definitely one. I would really... Like, to me, it's going to... But the 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 answer will always be space units. It's always going to be ships. I think that if there, I want a hyperspace version of a card, it's going to be, like, the Millennium Falcon. It's going to be uh, an X-Wing. It's going to be Home 1. I am such... A loser when it comes to spaceships and space battles i love them to death it is partially why rogue one to me is the best star wars movie is because the the space battle is absolutely incredible it is just i want to see more of that so having cards like a star destroyer the redemption whatever in hyperspace version that that is to me that's what i want to see more than anything
1: yeah, I am for the most part with you. So my my kind of like multi-faceted answer is one, any of my favorite characters, like obviously I want them, right? So I want the Sabines and Hyperspace and Jin or so. And if they're leader units, obviously I'm gonna want the showcase. But like if I had to, you know, pick a card, just a singular card, I would pick Chimera, because again, ship in space, but also like to me that's like the chip, you know? um and then if i was forced to pick a ground unit if we go away from like okay you obviously want the ships to be your hyperspace the ground unit that i would want right now is the darth vader that was just revealed
0: yeah that's a great looking card his
1: art is like fantastic and then with him like doing the point thing and you know him having ambush it would just kind of look like you know i've I've showed up on the scene with my entourage it would like be a a further embodiment of what that card is meant to do so dude um, it looks
0: like it looks like it's like he's Beyonce and you have like Kelly Rowland <laughs> behind it. Yeah. Like it, this is like legitimately like, if you look at that card, this is the part of uh bye, bye, bye where Justin Timberlake has like, is doing his thing where the, you know, Joey Fatone and Chris Kirkpatrick are in the back, like just filling shoes. Like that's all they do. Yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at with that. I, I tend to agree. I tend to agree. I think that the Darth Vader card, which we didn't get to because I wasn't on that episode, man, what a what a beast of a card. So I, I think that the other one for me, like looking at cards like Vanguard Ace, that looks pretty rad. Um you know, there's so many wicked cool cards, but if I was going to pick like a ground unit, I don't even know, man. Like I it's, to me it just seems like um Vader. <laughs>
1: it's just, yeah, it's
0: freaking Vader. Uh yeah, that's about it. Uh there is a secondary question uh, from Alex asking are there any card designs that have uh, revealed that are a surprise to you uh in terms of their uniqueness of their design. Uh, honestly, I think that th- the one thing about Star Wars Unlimited is that the uniqueness of the game and the way that the rules kind of put together, it's like nobody's discovering new elements in the periodic table, but people are combining them in new ways to make flashy stuff, and I kind of think that that's what Star Wars Unlimited is is doing. And I'll be completely honest with you, there's nothing about this game that blows me away in terms of innovation. Um, What I think it does is it takes the best parts of a lot of other games and combines them in this unique way that is just better than the sum of its parts because a lot of the key the keywords that the the combat system the whatever i think is really cool and interesting even leaders and leader abilities uh, like those have existed in other card games gwent has been playing with leader abilities forever like one-time leader abilities it's it's been a thing it's it's just existed for um since that game came out in like 2014 or 15 or whatever like it's just been there that said all this to say is there anything that's like blowing me away no is there anything that's surprising me i I, i'd say that the surprising aspect is how cleanly and awesome these ingredients come together and, and and create this delicious dish and but There's I mean, like if we're going to be completely honest here, there's nothing in terms of the mechanics of the game that are groundbreaking.
1: Yeah, I would say I largely agree with that. Uh, I don't think there's anything that is surprising me or, you know, anything to to, to that degree. When I read this, uh, the one thing that kind of like jumped out at me as a potential answer. So I'll just go with it is uh, I was a little surprised when we got the reveal for redemption not because it heals your base but because it does the self-harm thing to do it like i would not if if you had just like in a vacuum said like hey do you think redemption is gonna have any sort of like health a self uh harm health-based synergy with like grit or whatever i would have said no but it kind of does right obviously it's got the one played you can heal a bunch of stuff at the expense of its own health but I've already again kind of like earmarked that card because it can self harm in the future if we ever get an upgrade that says like the attached unit gains grit or whatever then suddenly redemption could be part of some like game ending combo right so um that that one kind of jumped out to me but that again I'm, I'm not surprised that it does healing I'm not surprised it has sentinel it's just it was a bit of a surprise that the way you do the healing is by kind of blowing the ship up <laughs> hey
0: you gotta do what you gotta do this is this is war man yeah you know, it's uh, it's a star war frankly all right so thank you so much alex for the submission to the bad feeling mailbag and if you'd like to get your questions in again you can email us at whopper radio podcast at gmail.com at whopper radio on twitter at Watchflake on twitter at that charm 3r on twitter at ggdoa on twitter that's where you can get us or on discord you can just sort of shoot us a message or do whatever it's good to be back i'm happy to be back charmer i'm happy that we can say the game comes out in this year the game comes out in we're, we're dare i say a few weeks i mean a few can we be are, eight
1: you know yeah i was gonna say we're five days away from the two month mark
0: yeah we're close dude so like we are we are fat like vastly or sorry, uh, rapidly approaching that launch day, uh, keep your ears and your earballs and your eyeballs on this channel because we are going to have uh, some cool stuff to show you down the line. We're working on some cool stuff that we can't necessarily talk about, but there's some, uh, there's some wicked cool things happening in the short term. Charmer, my man, it has been an episode, and I will say this, it is good to be back. And I will say to you all, thank you so much for the kind words and for listening to Wampa Radio. If you want to help us out, you can give us a five-star review wherever you do so. Follow us, subscribe to the channels, do all that jam, it goes miles for us. Thank you very much. We will see you next week on Wampa Radio. Charmer, hit us with the fattest of wisdoms.
1: May the force be with you.